0: And I saw, when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, saying, Come and see. Noise of
1: Thunder Radio, with Christian J. Pinto. Okay, praise the Lord, you guys, and welcome. I'm Chris Pinto, this is Noise of Thunder Radio. Today on the show, we are going to talk about Prophecy, the News and World Events. Prophecy, the News and World Events. Uh, This program partly inspired by a new book that we received from one of our listeners, uh, whose name, her first name, is Laura. And uh, she sent us a gift here recently we want to say thank you to her for it. Uh, this is a I'm really excited about it. This is a book called Revelation Timeline Decoded by David Nickow Wilcoxon. David Nickow Wilcoxon. Here's what Laura said. She sent us a gift. She sent a note. She said, quote, I have been listening to your radio program podcast and have really enjoyed. Your information. This is a modern historicist that I love reading, and I think he would be a great interview for your show. Uh, now, we don't know the author, uh, David Wilcoxson. Uh, never heard of him before, and I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about this book, although generally I like the look of it. I've been looking it over. I've been reviewing it, I can tell you it looks very, very interesting. Otherwise, I wouldn't mention it, obviously. But nevertheless, he's, uh, he makes reference to a lot of the same resources that we have talked about on this program for years. Things like the Geneva Study Bible, the writings of Dr. H. Grattan guinness uh, John Gill's exposition of the whole Bible, uh, Benson's commentary on Revelation, Matthew Poole, The People's New Testament by Barton Johnson, pulpit commentary. Now we make reference to these things. I don't think I've ever made reference to the People's New Testament. I don't think so. But Albert Barnes notes on the whole Bible. Uh, And then a whole variety of other resources as well. He's probably going to quote J.A. Wiley in here somewhere sooner or later. But he is representing the historicist worldview of prophecy. The historicist view, which is uh, for those of you who saw the interview that I did with Sean Wilcox, Sean Wilcox uh, from Bible based ministries over in South Africa. He is based in South Africa. We interviewed him. He is uh, an expert on the Jesuit order and the activities of Rome and the Jesuits past and present. And you'll find if you check out some of his writings, which we recommend, I have reviewed at least one of his books, which is called The Jesuits, The Secret Army of the Papacy. Very interesting work and very, very concise. It's less than 100 pages long, but it gives you a a concise overview of the Jesuit order and why it's important to pay attention to them. People have no idea especially modern evangelical Protestants, have absolutely no idea what they're dealing with, who they're dealing with in this regard, and that this is an historic enemy of the gospel and of the Christian faith and of of civil and religious liberty. They have no idea. Uh, They also have no idea about the historic connections between the Jesuits, the papacy, and communism and socialism. No idea. We are going to be detailing that information in our upcoming documentary, American Jesuits, like you have never seen it before. There is information that I've never heard anybody. I mean, and, and it's not conspiracy theory, folks. It's completely documented in the pages of history. But we're talking history books that have been essentially pushed aside, buried, hidden somehow, hidden away not included, obviously, in the education system. They're not going to include it in your local library, but also from the Christian community. The vast majority of Protestant evangelical Christians seem to be largely unaware that these works exist, even though they're written by our evangelical ancestors through the 19th century. Now... Another one of our dear friends, uh, Steve Matthews at the Trinity Foundation, has been sending me quotes, a really, really powerful quote about Tammany Hall up in New York. This is something that I've been researching on and off for a number of years because of the shift that happens after the American Civil War. This is a historic puzzle. If you want to know the kind of research that that uh, that I do in getting ready for our next film and also for the radio program, but Tammany Hall, how is it that the Southern states were states that supported the Democratic Party back during the Civil War, but now virtually all the Southern states are red states that support the Republican Party? And somehow the Democrats went up to the north and and now they run states like New York and others. And I believe the key to the shift, or at least it's been my theory, let me say it that way, has been Tammany Hall. Tammany Hall in New York, which uh, was a Democratic stronghold for many, many years and was very, very Catholic, but a stronghold of the Democratic Party. Now, I've gotten thanks to Steve Matthews at the Trinity Foundation. Uh, he, he, he and I talked about this when I interviewed him. He's going to appear in our film, American Jesuits. But he sent me an email here a few days ago uh, about Rome and Tammany Hall. And it was well known back in the glory days of Tammany Hall that it was seen as a haven for Roman Catholics and Jesuits in particular. And now we have the documentation to show you that, and we're going to be presenting that in the film. But I believe that's what happened. The After the war, the North won, obviously. The South was disempowered for a time. And so because the political power shifted to the North, I believe many of the Democrats, especially those who were Catholic, went North and found a haven in Tammany Hall, And from there began to sort of redirect their power structure in the United States. Uh, Charles Chinique even tells us that they were in control of the city of San Francisco out in California. Chinique wrote this more than 100 years ago. That, in my opinion, is why Nancy Pelosi, who I believe is a Jesuit, she was responsible with John Boehner for putting the first Jesuit priest ever in our history in as chaplain of the House of Representatives, I think there's no question that she works in conjunction with the order's agenda for the United States of America. Uh, it's just that most people don't understand the Jesuit order, and that they they're promoting things like LGBT, they're promoting abortion, they're promoting all of the left-wing socialist social justice. Uh, communism, all the rest of it, uh, that is what the order is really about. But a lot of people don't understand that. Uh, So it's why Nancy Pelosi, who claims to be a devout Catholic, can support all of those ideas, all of these left-wing ideas that are condemned by historic Catholic religion, at least prior to, let's say, the end of World War II, But it's how she and and Joe Biden, who's also a Jesuit, can promote these ideas because they ultimately are in cahoots with the Jesuit order. And because these men are priests, they believe that whatever the priests tell them to do is somehow or other justifiable. Now, what's really bizarre is after this episode happened with uh, Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi, where there have been all of these strange conspiracy theories about this break-in that happened at their home where some guy's there with a hammer and all these strange stories about who that guy is and was and so on and, and uh, what was going on. Uh, we're not going to go over those details because they were promoted by conservatives, and then people started to backpedal on them, and it's hard to know exactly what it was that happened. But needless to say, the whole thing was completely bizarre. Now it is being reported, and this has been confirmed, that Nancy Pelosi has arranged an exorcism of her home. She brought in Catholic priests, priests to perform an exorcism. And this is from CNA, the Catholic News Agency, but there's a number of outlets reporting it. Uh, It says, uh, quote, after someone broke into her house and violently attacked her husband, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi sought the services of a priest to perform an exorcism of the couple's San Francisco home, her daughter told the New York Times. Wow. Very, very bizarre. Uh, Calling in a priest to perform an exorcism. Okay, so now we kind of went down a rabbit trail there, but we started out talking about prophecy, historicist prophecy, and uh, this book, Revelation Timeline Decoded. Uh, I'm really looking forward to reading this. I wanted to say again, thank you to Laura uh, for sending this to us. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Just, Just thumbing through it, it looks very interesting. And what the author appears to be doing is trying to reclaim the history of our Protestant historic ancestors because this is what they believed. You can find the teachings of historicism through John Wycliffe, through Martin Luther, through virtually all of the reformers to a greater or lesser degree. That was their view of Bible prophecy, it's how they understood the world. That we live in. And that view was also held generally by the Puritans. Of course, there were disagreements. When we say historicism, we cannot say that all historicists exactly agreed on every single issue. Uh, But there was a general agreement. They all, to a man, believed that the papacy was the fulfillment of the man of sin, uh, Antichrist foretold in the New Testament. They also believe that Rome herself was the fulfillment of the great harlot of Revelation 17 and chapter 18. Uh, And they foresaw that sooner or later, Rome will be overthrown and destroyed. The great harlot, meaning, will be destroyed because of what we find in Revelation chapter 18. Uh, But it happens according to God's timeline of prophecy. But in the 19th century, with the advent of futurism and Darbyism and dispensationalism, all of that shifted and changed. And that's why H. Gratton Guinness's writings, I think, are so significant, because he saw the change as it was happening. And if you read his works, things like uh, Light for the Last Days and also Romanism and the Reformation— Those are two books to look for. But he's warning about this shift away from the Reformed view of prophecy. And he interprets, this is his interpretation now, that the futurist interpretations of prophecy are Rome's interpretations of prophecy. That's what he argues. But of course, we're not going to be able to get into all of that on the program today. But we're very, uh, very excited about this new work. We're also excited about the list of works online that was sent to us by Brother Steve. uh, Steve Matthews from Trinity Foundation sent a list of online books. I mean, I got to tell you guys, this is just unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. There have to be at least another 40 or 50 books here. I haven't added them up, but just looking at all the titles that have to do with the Jesuit order. And these are titles that are written like back in 1845, some written back in the year 1679, 1890, 1850, 1610, 1660, I mean, books written over a period of several hundred years, books that most people don't even know exist. Uh, You've got a work here, The Jesuits and Education, The Jesuits As They Were and Are, it's 1845. Uh, The Jesuits' Character, written by a member of the Popish Club, that's from 1679. 1679. The Jesuits' Estates Act by G.W. Wicksteed from 1889. You've got the Jesuits' ghost with the prayer of the Turkish monarch to Christ, through which he obtained a mighty victory against the Papists at the Field of Varna. I mean, I've never heard of this before. From 1689. The Jesuit Gospel according to St. Ignatius Loyola. That's 1679. The Jesuits' Grand Design Upon England from 1660 by Edmund Pierce. Then, are you ready for this? Uh, this, I just thought this was really a very interesting title. It's called The Jesuits in Baja, California, 1697 to 1768. Written in 1920 by Charles E. Chapman. The Jesuits in China, and the Legation of Cardinal de Tournon, an Examination of Conflicting Evidence and an Attempt at an Impartial Judgment, London, 1894, and then a whole variety of other works. I mean, I'm I'm just reading these titles to you just to show you how, and, and these are works that I didn't even know existed. It's incredible, the volume of material, that our ancestors wrote on this subject matter, trying to warn the church, trying to warn believers about what this society has been up to, trying to literally overturn the great reformation and to bring mankind back into the dark age, to destroy all the gains that were made by the reformers. And we have to understand there, there there's two levels of those gains one is theological understanding the just shall live by faith that were saved by god's grace through faith not of works lest any man should boast that's the most important part that's the part that brings us to salvation and of course the recovery of the bible and the jesuits of course trying different tactics to overturn it we show in our series our Lamp in the Dark series, that they were largely behind historic criticism that becomes higher criticism, trying to subvert the Bible or or defeat it by uh, teaching people not to believe it. That continues to this day. So the first part, theological. The second part, political. Things like freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of religion, freedom of conscience, the right to bear arms, private property protections, all of these things are gains that were established by word and by deed on the fields of battle through the time of the Great Reformation. And all of that they seek to overturn. And of course, we believe that's why they develop social justice, socialism, and communism as instruments, weapons to overturn the principles of the free world, or what we today call the free world. All right, we are coming up on a commercial break. We are going to take a break, go to a commercial, and when we come back, we'll talk more right after this.
0: Adullam Films presents a stunning new documentary, The True Christian History of America, exploring the Bible-based Christian origins of the early American view of freedom, tracing the principles of liberty back to England and the Great Reformation. For many years, our schools have taught that the founding of our republic was from the deists, or the Enlightenment in France. But is that truly the case? Did the Enlightenment first declare no taxation without representation or trial by jury? Were they the champions of freedom of speech or of the press or the right to bear arms? And why did Samuel Adams declare that the reign of political Protestantism would commence just before signing the Declaration of Independence? Filmed on location in both the United States and Europe, The True Christian History of America is now available at AdullamFilms.com, that's AdullamFilms.com. Now available at NoiseOfThunderRadio.com, that's NoiseOfThunderRadio.com. Adullam Films presents an exciting new documentary, Bridge to Babylon, part three in an award-winning series on the untold history of the Bible. Dr. Jack Mormon calls it a masterful presentation of what is the single most important issue facing Christians today, the defense of the Bible as the Word of God. Why was the Bible changed in 1881? Why have so many churches abandoned biblical inerrancy? And what direction are scholars taking the Scriptures today? Learn the truth in Bridge to Babylon, the sequel to A Lamp in the Dark and Tares Among the Wheat. Bridge to Babylon is now available at noiseofthunderradio.com. That's noiseofthunderradio.com. Noise of Thunder Radio.
1: Okay, we are back. Praise the Lord, you guys. I'm Chris Pinto. This is Noise of Thunder Radio. Today on the show, we are talking about prophecy and world events. Very interesting as we're watching the New World Order advance. Uh, one of our earlier programs, we talked about the plan to implement 15-minute cities, what they call the 15-minute cities. And they, by the way, we're, we're now learning that it's not just the 15-minute city. There's other ideas. For example, here's a headline from a publication called The Exposé. And the headline says, quote, Scotland's plan to implement 20-minute neighborhoods nationwide. 20-minute neighborhoods nationwide. So now, not the 15-minute city. Now they're calling it the 20-minute neighborhood. But the concept seems to be the same. Uh, And so what, let me just read part of this article here. It says, uh, quote, new measures proposed by the Scottish government in a recent document outline a war on carbon and a war on cars. It includes a plan to implement restrictive 20 minute neighborhoods so that the government can deliver on the United Nations sustainable development goals. Environmentalists have had it in for cars for years wrote, spiked online last year. We all know they'd like to ban cars altogether. So apparently this whole 15-minute city, 20-minute neighborhood, one of the targets for this whole scheme is to get rid of private ownership of automobiles, to get rid of cars. In fact, uh, Fox News has reported on this on more than one occasion. Here, let's listen to a story on Fox, where they talk about, openly, World Economic Forum wants to ban cars. Listen. No cars for you. WEF calls for the end to private car ownership. Joining me now, the car coach, Lauren Fix. Lauren, uh, you know, walk us through these steps on how eventually it'll be outlawed to own these uh, combustion engine cars, trucks, and SUVs.
2: Yes, the World Economic Forum thinks they know better. They're an unelected group of very wealthy people who meet in Davos and make decisions for us. They've decided that we only use our vehicles 4% of the time, and they do pollute, so they want us to remove them and that we should use public transportation and ride shares on a global basis, and then we don't need vehicles, we can just share them. So that makes me think, if I only use my bed eight hours a day, is someone else gonna use it, the other two eight-hour segments? Just the same kind of mindset, yeah, it doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, well, if you're only using it four percent, you're not polluting that much.
1: You think they'll all <laughs> share all of those private jets, maybe in, instead of flying in 70 of them to Davos, they'll all get on one commercial plane?
2: Oh, that'll never happen because they have their own private limos that idle all day long with their own private drivers, but that's okay for them, but not for you. And this is the whole mindset of of the video that's gone viral is people don't realize that this is their actual goal. And, And the comments have been quite intense, may I add, but on a global basis, it may work fine in the UK if you live in London or you live in some city, but here in the United States, it does not work.
1: No, it certainly does not. I mean, uh, the the point that she makes, by the way, which, uh, in case you didn't catch it, her name is Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N Fix, F-I-X. And she's got her own uh, podcast called Car Coach Reports. And if you look her up on YouTube, you'll find her video where she says, no cars for you. WEF calls for the end to private car ownership. But, um, but yeah, apparently she was the first or one of the first anyway to report on this. And just like she said, the, the elitist mentality of these globalists, this is for the little people. Yeah, they're going to drive just like they're flying their big private jets right now and their big private yachts and this kind of thing. They're using more fuel than anybody else. Uh, but those rules don't apply to them. They only apply to the little people. Okay. And they're, they're very, uh, very brash about it. Um, if you study the history of the right to bear arms and gun laws, laws that restricted private gun ownership, going back several hundred years, you'll find the gaming laws that they had in England were often used to limit private ownership of arms because they argued. That if they allowed the common man to use a a rifle, a gun, to hunt, if you allow them to use firearms to hunt, then they're going to kill all the deer. They're going to take all the deer, the foxes, the rabbits, the pheasant, etc., and then there won't be enough game for the nobility that wants to be able to go out and enjoy themselves and go on their little elitist hunting trips and this kind of thing. So you can't let the commoners destroy all the game. So they would use that as an excuse to limit private ownership of firearms through gaming laws. And of course, our ancestors wrote about these kind of things. Uh, But if you look it up, you'll see they had all sorts of uh, restrictions and so on. But they're using the same kind of arguments. Well, if we let the common man do these things, let them fly on airplanes and uh, drive cars and eat beef. Well, that's no good. We need to limit them eating beef because it's bad for the environment, etc. Now, are they going to limit their own access to beef? No, they won't. You can bet they'll have some fresh cattle in a field somewhere and they'll all go out and have a steak or a cheeseburger whenever they want one. They want to take it away from everyone else. That's, But again, as so many people have pointed out, this is about power and control. This is about people who are obsessed with trying to tell everybody else what to do. And it is completely contrary to the principles of biblical Christianity, completely contrary to uh, the principles that God sets forth upon the earth. One of, one of the fundamental laws, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You can't have this hypocritical view of right and wrong where you want to impose a standard on everybody else around you uh, and then give yourself a pass. Uh, that's one of the reasons why Jesus condemned the Pharisees. He said, you bind burdens on others, grievous to be born that you yourselves do not lift a finger to bear. And that's what's going on here. That's what's behind this whole environmentalist hypocrisy, uh, the, the calls for this Green New Deal, trying to limit beef production. And now, of course, they want to try and ban cars. I think people need to stand up and speak out and make it very, very clear that the common people are simply not going to cooperate. Speaking of which... Speaking of which up in Canada we've got our dear friends in Canada well there is now a new story pretty radical Justin Trudeau after all the stuff that the that that the Canadian government did largely because of him through covid uh he's there's video of him up in Canada trying to walk into some kind of building And there's all these protesters that surround him and they're shouting and calling him a tyrant and a traitor. I was going to play some of the audio, but it's uh, honestly they're they're using some uh, some bad language in the midst of all that. So I didn't want to uh, put that on the air. But nevertheless, people for the Canadians, the Canadians are some of like the nicest people in the world, but they are getting fed up with Marxism undermining their liberty up in canada and of course justin trudeau he's part of that whole uh, uh, klaus schwab world economic forum community Uh, these globalists who are committed to undermining western civilization primarily but ultimately the entire free world Uh, there is some sanity however here we got a story about Representative Elise Stefanik, who's a Republican out of New York says the deep state needs to be rooted out of agencies. Deep state needs to be rooted out of agencies. now we're getting somewhere now somebody if and now and assuming this is not smoke and mirrors, if it goes somewhere. If somebody actually takes this and does something, uh, this is a step in the right direction because the deep state, the CIA, the FBI, which I believe, of course, are are run by Jesuits and communists. And now they're arguing that you've got jihadis uh, who are part of this whole Islamic community that has infiltrated. uh, And really, I don't I don't think so much infiltrated. I think they've been welcomed in to the deep state because they are part of the agenda. They're using things like transgenderism, homosexuality, Islam and the elements of sharia. Uh, they're u- they're using marxism, socialism, etc. all of these things to systematically undermine the fundamental principles of god-given rights that we have in this country and really throughout western civilization. That's what they're doing. And it is a global agenda. And we have to understand the whole history of it. We've tried to explain it in our films, our documentaries, and so on, so that people understand this movement goes back, at this point, more than 100 years. And the players involved, these groups involved, like Rockefeller, Ford, Carnegie, and many others, and the Jesuits, the Vatican, uh, they're all intertwined And they all have a long history together and they're not just going to give up what they're doing because of a particular election cycle. Something has to happen to literally disentangle them from our system and and from any system of government that wants to be able to continue uh, as a free society. That's why I think that understanding things like the Westphalian world order, the Westphalian view, as per the peace of Westphalia, has to do with acknowledging and protecting the sovereignty of individual nations, that nations have a right to govern themselves and not be manipulated by a foreign power like the Pope uh, or, or like some Holy Roman emperor as was the case under the holy roman empire so uh, and, and to the to the point where because the problem with that is then demanding forced conformity from everyone demanding that everybody has to do things this way and this is what we're seeing now you see this, this is all part of the counter reformation the reason it's the reason i say that is because part of what the reformation did was it established the sovereignty of nations, the sovereignty of the individual church, the individual body of people, uh, the individual believer, so that people and groups and nations could develop their own character under God within the framework of God's law, but to have the liberty to pursue their own conscience before the Lord. And that's what now they're trying to take away because this is a return of the principles of the Great Inquisition. The Inquisition always demanded that everybody has to conform. Everybody's going to understand whatever it is this way. Everyone must bow to transubstantiation, this peculiar interpretation of communion. That's just one example. But everybody's got to be forced. You have to see it this way. There's to be no exception. And if anybody resists, they've got to be arrested prosecuted burned at the stake that's what used to happen the reformation fought against it and with good reason we we've talked about what the apostle paul when he when paul is talking about those who have a conscience that works differently you have one person who wants to eat meat another person they have a different conscience They eat herbs. And Paul says, let not him that eats herbs despise him that eats meat. Let not him that eats meat despise him that eats herbs. In other words, Paul's calling for toleration among believers. And he says, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind that unless we have a clear commandment from God where something is concerned, that we ought to leave men to the liberty of their own conscience before the Lord. But you see, Rome simply did not respect that and would not respect that. And now we're seeing a return to these Inquisition-type principles through these globalist groups like World Economic Forum and others. All right, we are about out of time. We're going to do a shorter program today. In fact, I think we're going to be doing the shorter versions of the noise of thunder radio program, where we do about somewhere between 30, 35, 40 minutes, somewhere in there, uh, because I think we'll be able to get uh, more programs uploaded that way because we are in the midst of uh, post-production editing and development for the new documentary, American Jesuits. That takes a lot of time and we appreciate your prayers and your words of encouragement along the way. All right, brothers and sisters, we are out of time. We're going to stop it there, but we will be back next time as the Lord leads us. Until then, God bless you guys. I'm Chris Pinto, and you've been listening to Noise of Thunder Radio.